Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, uh, Matt Filipovitz. Matt, uh, what should we talk about? Uh, Bill, I'm glad you asked. Trader Joe's has a new kind of like horseradish and chive chips. Uh, Trader Joe's not a sponsor, oh, okay. but they could be. But I got those today. They're there for a limited time. And they're going to get like a seven and a half out of ten for me. So I think that's what the people came here to listen about. Yeah, I, I, I know you... No, you have a, f- a few food sensitivities, so I do I apologize do. for asking this. But uh, are you good with uh, like corn, and are you good with like a low taste seasoning and that kind of thing? Co- yes, correct. I'm fine with that. Okay have you have you ever had the Trader Joe's um, not a sponsor, like, but they could be Lote Frito? Yeah, it could be. They're like a Lote. They're Fritos with like an Lote seasoning on no, them. No, I haven't, but I bet those are awesome. They are. They are my like. I don't go to Trader Joe's in large part because I will buy a bag of those and eat them over the course of an entire day. Like they are hmm. one of my favorite things in the entire world of like, you know, just dumb empty calorie snacks. And, um, you know, speaking of empty calories, let's talk about speaking of things that are empty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so little, little backstory to this episode of the pod. Um, I wasn't able to go on Sunday night. Matt was able to go on Sunday night. We were planning on going on Sunday uh, on Monday evening to talk about Penn state losing to Michigan, obviously 24 to 15. We're going to spend uh, a bit of time talking about that, obviously. Uh, but while we were making that plan to do that, I was at the bar. I was watching a little bit of soccer and I drove home and on the way home, we get the at channel and slack uh, from John Sauber of the center daily times who brought where the Penn State is decided to fire Mike Yurisich following, uh, again, Saturday's loss to Michigan, where Penn State's offense once again, again came up short against a top-tier defense. And all of today's episode is kind of going to be connected. Yep. Because we're going to talk about why Saturday's why Penn State lost on Saturday. We're not going to do the full recap that we normally do. You guys don't need to hear that. We're going to spend a little bit of time on that. And then we're going to talk about Yurzich getting canned, where Penn State goes from here, that sort of thing. But I think we should start with Saturday because I don't think you could tell the story of Penn State firing Mike Yurzich without talking about Saturday. And Matt, I know there was – there are a bunch of stats that you have, a bunch of things that you accrued even before Yurzich got fired – uh, to support that the case you were going to make when we recorded the Michigan recap that it was time for Penn State to move on from Mike Yersich. So I'll get out of your way. I will let you kind of run through those stats. What was it that e- what was it about Saturday and kind of the big picture stuff on Saturday that made you get to the point where you were going, okay, you know what? this might have run its course. Uh, real quick, Bill. At 12.36 p.m. Central Time, I said in our Slack, I'm going to say fire Mike Yurcich on the pod just so anyone who joins me knows what they're signing up for. And then at 12.56 in the Slack, you said, hey, Mike Yurcich got fired. Uh, so I have been thinking about this for the better part of a day now. Um, and it comes back to two big stats for me. Number one is Penn State is 0-6 against Michigan and Ohio State under Mike Yersich. They haven't been that in any run of offensive coordinators for Penn State. And what I mean by that is John Donovan went 0-4. for 4. He was canned. Let me get that stat back up in front of me. Hold on a second. I scrolled right by it. John Donovan, 0-4. Unfair given the sanctions, but still he went 0-4. Jomo went 2-2 against Michigan and Ohio State in his tenure. Ronnie went 1-3 
against Michigan and Ohio State in his tenure. Kirk Shiraka went one and one in his one-year COVID tenure. Yurcich went 0 for 6 without any of the COVID excuses, without any of the roster is depleted because of the sanctions excuses. He just was not up to par. And it's not the fact that they went 0 for 6 that really made me have this take. That's a big part of it. But in half of those games, they scored one offensive touchdown. Against Michigan in 2021, one offensive touchdown. Against Michigan in 2022, one offensive touchdown. Against Ohio State in 2023, one offensive touchdown. For all intents and purposes, it it technically wasn't, but Penn State really only scored one touchdown while it mattered in the game last week, but I'm not going to count that. It's not part of that criteria. Penn State needed to make this move. It sucks. I wish it would have worked out. Penn State's in a very healthy spot as a program, but at the end of the day, you cannot go 0-6 in a three-year period against the two teams you have made it clear you are trying to catch. It's not acceptable at this point of Penn State football. It's not acceptable um, for a guy who is as decorated as Mike Yersich to turtle up in these kind of games. I give credit to James Franklin. He mm-hmm. made the right call. It was time to make this call. We said back when he fired Shiraka, this was a big boy move when he moved on from Shiraka to Yersich. To go out there and end the longest tenure of an offensive coordinator of the James Franklin era for Franklin to go out there and do that with two game, three games to go counting the bowl game, probably a New York six game. That tells me James Franklin knows that he is more or less out of excuses to not win these games, go two and four in a three year stretch against them. I'm fine with that. Again, that, that, that stats kind of out the window with the expansion and with the, you know, with the no more big 10 East, but whatever, this was a move that had to be made. I'm glad they made it. And now I'm fascinated to see what the next era of Penn State football looks like. Because this one under Yursich was, I'd say, a B-. minus. But again, if you're going to get over this hump, and if you're going to take advantage of the kind of talent you have been able to accrue, you need an A offensive coordinator at this point. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not going to get into, like, all the reasons why I I, I think those stats are a little, I don't want to say misleading, I don't want to say tricky or anything like that. Like, I think it's, I think that the um, – how do I phrase it? If Mike Yurcich was going up against the same Michigan program that John Donovan or Ricky Ronnie or Kirk Shiraka went up against, I don't think he's losing all of them. Oh, but agreed. Agreed. I don't necessarily think – so I don't necessarily think those like big-picture long-term stats are necessarily correct, but – or, or it, it's worth like judging him against that. But I think you have to – make the decision, make your decisions. It's very easy for us as fans to sit here and say the results weren't what we wanted them to be. We need as a result, something needs to happen because I am a big believer in process. And this is where I think it's good to jump into the Michigan game and Mm -hmm. jump and talk about what kind of happened in the Michigan game. What went wrong for Penn state's offense in the Michigan game. I'm a big believer in good process. And if your process is good, I generally believe over a long enough period of time, the results will come. And what stuck out to me about yesterday, Matt, a 24 to 15 Michigan win over Penn state where 
it was a very weird game for Penn State's defense. And maybe we'll sprinkle in a little bit of talk about Penn State's defense in this. But Penn State's offense, 238 total yards, 74 passing yards, 164 rushing yards, 17 first down, four for 14 on third down. Two for three I on two for three on fourth down with the dumbest on, play two, three, I've ever seen down, yes. and the most fun play I've seen with the Aller catch. I think Penn State's process in these sorts of games is the problem. And I think we saw that again yesterday because whatever process they are doing to get Drew Auer ready for these games is clearly not working. Drew Auer was terrible yesterday. Mm -hmm. And obviously a big portion of that was on Mike Yurcich mm -hmm. and how he prepared him uh, and how he... Um, and how we called a game for him, but just generally the kid was not good enough. And he, we, I, I think that has to be recognized here. The thing that was good enough was Penn State's rushing attack, particularly when Catron Allen was in. Allen had 12 carries, 72 yards, 6 yards a carry. Nick Singleton, 13, 43, 3.3. 12 carries isn't nearly enough. Was, not nearly enough for Catron yes, Allen. The play calling was off. The use of the personnel was off. All these sorts of things were just off, Matt. And when we now sit here a day later and hear that Mike Yurcich has been fired, that's why I ultimately think more so than what his record was against these teams compared to what Kirk Sharaka's was or Ricky Ronnie's was and all those things. We have a large enough sample that Penn State's process is with Mike Yurcich at the helm, particularly in these, not just in these big games, but particularly in these big games mm -hmm. is just not good enough. No, it wasn't. And I, I had a hard time coming to terms with this because I, I thought Clifford was the problem. I was wrong. Clifford deserves more credit than I gave him in hindsight because Mike Yersich wasn't able to get the job done with an experienced quarterback in his fifth and sixth year who went on to be drafted into the NFL. He also couldn't do it with the five-star he handpicked with all of the talent in the world. So clearly... I, I, I don't need... I, I think handpicked almost undersells it, Matt. Yeah. He found this kid when he was a junior, a, nobody, a three-star, a, three -star, yeah, a exactly. work in progress. And, and to that end, I think we need to give Mike Yurcich a little bit of credit because he did this with Drew Auer. He's mm -hmm. done it with Ethan Grunkmeyer now. You know, God knows what the future holds for those kids. Yep. Uh, hopefully... Hopefully both of them are at Penn State for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they turn they do great things at Penn State. But like that's that's the one place where I think you need to give Mike Yersich credit. Yeah. He could identify quarterback talent. He could he could identify quarterback talent early, but once they got on camp, once our specifically got on campus, it just has not been good enough. No, it hasn't been. It has not been up to par. Uh, going back to the Michigan game, the process, uh, and uh, that's, a, that's a great word, Bill. And I, and I know you're a big process guy and I appreciate that. And that's the best way I think to describe what went wrong. The game plan looked broken. It looked like there was no script. It looked like there was no here X happened. Therefore Y is going to happen next. The Catron Allen play on for on first and 10 Catron Allen runs it forward with really I don't with ease basically. Nobody really touched him until he was four yards down the field. He fought for four, he fought for five more. After that, you run a weird screen pass to Malik Mega. I get that Aller checked it. I know that was that's what Franklin said after the game. There has to yeah. be certain calls where this worked once. Like we're gonna try it again on second and one. Like I, I think that process was just bad. It's not good enough. Aller is not good enough right now. And I I came into this season saying I expected Aller to be five percent better than Sean Clifford. 
frankly, he hasn't be and hasn't been. That's disappointing. That's hard to swallow. And that's on, in my opinion, Mike Yersich not putting him in the position to succeed. The game plans are broken. Aller hasn't been good enough. Both are true. But in your third year as offensive coordinator, when you have already scored one offensive touchdown in half of your games against the big two, and you go out there and you put together that performance, that tells me we're not taking steps in the right direction. And again, I think it was the right call for Franklin to make this move. And the Michigan game, I think, marks a really pivotal turning point in how James Franklin views the future of Penn State in that if they're going to make the move, they're going to have to make the move now with the 12-team playoff on the horizon. I thought they were going to be able to turn the corner this year. I was the guy saying window year for the better part or over a year at this point that this was going to be the year. They missed it. They choked it. Franklin, I think, understands that. And he made a move accordingly. I think this wasn't reactionary or an emotional decision. I think after the Ohio State game, this started going into process. And I think it's a good decision to move on, especially after you just get pretty much embarrassed by a Michigan team that had no respect for you in one entire aspect of the game. Sorry, I have red zone on in the background and uh, George Kittle just uh, like ran a wheel route and made a play and was able to catch and run for like 40 yards for a touchdown. I'm like, boy, it, it, see, it seems nice to like use your tight ends in ways that take advantage of their skill sets. That's it's, it's an interesting concept. Well, I love Bill, to, Bill, to Bill Filippo confirmed once more Iowa football offense in the Penn State offense confirmed. <laughs> Listen, if there's one thing that Iowa knows, it's tight end play. <laughs> and uh, if there's one thing that I think Penn, Penn State would have would uh, maybe have liked to have a little bit more of one of my curious, it's just tight end play. You're not um, right. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the Michigan game for a minute here. And I want to ask you just kind of one broad question, Matt. At any point, did you feel like Penn State, once the game started, did you feel like Penn State had a chance to win this football game? Oh, for sure. When you score first, I think you always put yourself in a really good position. I thought that series was really, really strong to kick things off. Uh, I, I don't love the third down fade to Dante Cephas against Michigan's tallest corner. Um, again, yeah, that was that, that was a play for second down. I yeah, I, I don't get I don't get that. Like you look at the plays that have worked for Penn State in that red zone, in that area of the red zone. It's been the Khalil Dinkins take forever to develop. It's been multiple reads, Tyler Warren in the back of the end zone. Like there have been those kind of plays. Dante Cephas has had one good game as a power five football player. And to throw that ball, I think that killed our momentum. But in that moment, I thought Penn State had a shot. When Penn State put together a really great drive where Drew Aller ran the football really effectively and scored with not much time left in the half, I thought, that's great. They're figuring things out. And I think you said, Bill, it start to f- it was starting to feel like the 2016 Ohio State game. And then things just got away from them. So there were two moments where I thought it was going to shake out. But I think once, once Michigan went up two scores, then I think it kind of really hit me that this offense after five and a half quarters of watching Mike Yurcich in these kind of games, they've never been able to figure it out. I don't feel confident they're going to be able to figure it out in the second half of this one. So there was definitely part of me that felt like they had a shot. But again, once it got out of hand or once it went up two scores, there's like Penn State is not going to score two more touchdowns in this game. And it turns out that was that was the right take to have. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the drive chart now and Penn State scores that touchdown. 
when they got into halftime and it was 14 to nine, it's a one possession game. Real quick, Bill, do you like that two point I, conversion call? I liked it. At the end of the first half? Yeah, I like that one. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. You, you, they were putting themselves in a position where I think if they go out on that first drive after, if they convert that, if they go out on that first drive after, um, after the touch, after halftime, and they get a field goal and it's 14 14, that place catches fire. Mm-hmm. It is electric mm-hmm. in that stadium. And I think we saw that Michigan played yesterday's game praying that they were able to just not let the crowd be a big factor in it on all that. I mean, they, what, 30 straight runs to end the game or something, which, like, they're getting a lot of credit for that. If Pe- And here's why I, I yesterday was frustrating for me. If Penn State's offense could have done anything, and they were able to do stuff, and then Yurisich's, I think, feels a play call, or we just saw that it's not where it needed to be. If they were able to do anything on offense, Michigan's coaching staff is getting killed today. Like, killed today for taking that game out of J.J. McCarthy's hands. Oh, yeah, they were terrified and, of Chop and Deny and Adisa, and rightfully so. Right. Credit, we'll and, talk and about, under, yeah, credit to those yeah. guys, yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll give a little bit of credit to Penn State's defense down the road, but... I thought basically after our fumbled on that first drive, after that first drive out of the half, fumbles at Penn State's uh, 46, Michigan falls on it. They go down 13 plays, 45 yards. They kick a field goal. 13 plays, 45 that yards ne- is backbreaking, dude. That sucked. Eight, eight minutes and four seconds. That next drive, Penn State needed a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Penn State needed to be able to keep Michigan within arm's reach. And I really don't care that they went until um, 4.15 left in the fourth quarter to um, to finally score. Penn State just needed something. Mm-hmm. Here's what Penn State's offense did after that field goal. Six plays, 21 yards. Three plays, minus three yards. Three plays, one yard. Four plays, four yards, turnover on downs. Blake Corum scores that touchdown to make it 24 to nine. Penn State then comes out, you know, for, for morale, they get a touchdown at the end of that. So once Penn State came out of that next drive after that field goal and just had nothing, mm-hmm. just straight up did not have anything. Not a. You know, you look at what worked on that drive, that first drive out. Katron Allen run, Katron Allen run, hour pass to Tyler Warren, six yards, first down. Hour incompletion, short completion to Theo Johnson, short completion to Keandre Lambert-Smith. Next drive, singleton intentional grounding incomplete. Drive after that, Allen for one yard, incomplete pass, a pass to nothing to Dante C. Wait, real quick, Bill. Drive Bill, after sorry, that. sorry. That intentional yeah. grounding, remind me, that was a flea flicker, right? Yes. Oh my Where Aller has Dante Cephas wide open middle of the field mm-hmm. and just does not look to him. Yep. Drive after that. Singleton runs for four yards. Incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. You will notice I said Katron Allen's name once in that. You will notice that they, for whatever reason, they decided in that moment, all right, we're going to start go- having Drew win this football game for us. And when I see that stuff, when I see that stuff that is like, how do I want to phrase it? When I see this stuff that gets away from what works, when you are getting away from uh, your kind of what's been your comfort zone all game, and, you know, to say something that James Franklin mentioned after the game, quoting him, we got to do a better job calling the game to allow the quarterback to get into rhythm. That is critical. We got to find easy completions for our quarterback to get into rhythm. That's what everybody does. We got to do a good job of that. They didn't do that at all. No, I didn't. There was nothing there. And when you're not, 
you're not doing that mixed with you're not running the football mixed with the way you are get having your quarterback do things is just not working. Like everything kind of piled on top of each other. And, you know, I don't think we need to spend too terribly much more time talking about Penn state's office in this game. They wasted straight up wasted a, you know, I think a lot of people are going to point to uh, Michigan running for basically five yards of carry. They wasted a, even acknowledging that, heroic effort by Penn State's defense in this one. Yep. Yep. Penn State's defense, hat tip to them. That is one of the best units, if not the best unit uh, I have ever seen for for a Penn State defense. And it sucks. It sucks that the offense and Mike Yurcich and Drew Aller could not back it up. Even a lowercase b bad performance gets you to 11 and 1. And you couldn't even produce that in the two biggest games. And that just sucks. Yeah. And I... I think we need to give a lot of credit to Penn State's defense, you know, to have the a defensive of tackles and the linebackers had decent games that uh, we exercised. I think those demons from last year were that it was to an extent. Yeah. There were there were there were some moments where I thought they're like their gap discipline just wasn't especially great. I mean, there was Agreed. that. Uh, yeah, I the think the corn run, the 40 yard scamper where Abdul gets yeah. lost in the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there are moments like that, but it's all stuff that. You can get away with allowing that, uh, you know, a couple of times so long as they're not going for big gains consistently. They're not um, ending in scores, that kind of thing. The dam just broke, I thought, on that uh, that 30-yard quorum touchdown. But for the most part, Penn State was willing to take the body blows that Michigan sent to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State's pass rush early in the game. There's the, the reason, you know, I think a lot of people are going to sit here and say, well, the reason that Penn State, uh, that Michigan ran it so much was because Penn State couldn't stop them, uh, blah, 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 all this. The reason Michigan ran it so much is because if they needed J.J. McCarthy to drop back, odds were that right tackle of theirs was getting cooked by someone along Penn State's defensive line. Oh, and yeah. I didn't have the only sack of the game. I think there was, a, I think Adisa Isaac or Chop, yeah, one of Adisa Isaac or Chop Robinson had the other moment where they uh, get into the backfield and really pressure and speed him up. Mm-hmm. Michigan could not call that game in such a way that J.J. McCarthy could win it for them mm-hmm. because of Penn State's defense. And Penn State's defense took... 46 body blows that went for 227 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, and three scores. It's not bad. And, it, you know, I predicted in the lead-up to the game that Michigan would score 28 or 31 points. They scored 24. It was everything Penn State's defense needed to do. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason Mike Yurisich is not here right now is because everything, and maybe even then some, that Penn State's defense did, they had no way to take advantage of it. You know what I think Penn State's defense did? Maybe just not on like a national scale. What's that? I think they won Michael Penix the Heisman. I think they took McCarthy out. Of uh, the, I, think, I think they took McCarthy out of the race with that performance. I, I think they might. I mean, if you want to, you want to go down that road. You should probably. Have you seen the game that Jaden Daniels had last night yet? Yeah, that's a great call too. I just think the Penix story yeah. is going to be really cool. Like you know, Heisman's just. We'll talk about it. We have to talk about it very much. But I think with how McCarthy played, or the way Michigan had to have McCarthy play. Uh, just as a big hat tip and a, a major sign of respect mm-hmm. to the Penn State defense. Um, and I hope Manny sticks around. I I, I, I I do want him to get a head coaching job because I think he would be great at it. But selfishly, I hope he sticks around for Penn State for one more year at least. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, any any final thoughts that you want to say about the game yesterday? Any players you want to shout out? Uh, Chop you know, had a great any... game. Devon Ellis, I think, really had a solid game. Uh, Deny Dennis Sutton is becoming a superstar right before our eyes. And mm-hmm. Adisa Isaac, uh, I, I'm really happy. I think has played his way into maybe a, even a late day two NFL draft pick. So major, yeah. major, major, yeah. major, major credit to those guys. I think that's a really cool story. Um, yeah, that's... Nobody on the offense, I really don't think, deserves any kind of or, or warrants any kind of praise. Yeah, uh, Adiza Isaac three tackles for loss. Dennis Sutton two, uh, good games for the two of them. Uh, I want to shout out just quick moments of praise for two guys on the offense. One, Katron Allen just keeps like doing this. Mm-hmm. Katron Allen is Penn State's number one running back. I actually had uh, a person I know who's um, you know a Michigan State fan say Bill am I insane for thinking that Catron Allen should get, it should be 66, 33, the split. And I said, yeah, it should be 70, 30. Yeah. Like Catron Allen needs to be Penn state's right. And you know, Jawan Sider is going to be uh, their main play caller. I'm we'll dying to see what that looks like. I, I hope that, I hope that leads to Allen getting a ton of run. Um, and then the other guy I want to shout out uh, it's for one moment, but Caden Saunders, his one reception. Yeah. Of the game. Good call bill. Um, I, I don't want to s- Aller's radar was just off all day. Um, you know, missing a little bit this way, missing a little bit that way, blah, 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 blah. Not the game that you wanted to see that he needed to have by any stretch of the imagination. And on that touchdown drive, Penn State is facing a fourth and six from Michigan's 37. Uh, Aller misses Caden Saunders. Mm-hmm. Aller does not throw that ball where it has to be. And Caden Saunders sticks his arm out and makes a play. And like, that's just something I've wanted to see all season from literally anyone on Penn State's receiving court. Someone make a play. Someone bail your quarterback out. And, on, you know, that drive ends in points, which is really great. More of that would have been nice. More guys being able to go out there and make plays would have been nice. But it would have been nice all season. Uh, and we'll talk about why that's part of the reason why you're such a guy can. Uh, oh, Riley first, Thompson. Riley Thompson built. punted well, too. Credit to him. Yeah, right. Re- yeah, Riley Thompson is just he, – he's been consistently great for Penn State this season. Really – I'm really glad him and Alex Falcons made his one field goal. Both of those guys have um, – the big concern for Penn State has – was answered by those two. And I think, you know, just all credit to them. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, let's uh, let's make ourselves a little bit money and shout out Homefield Apparel, Homefield, a longtime sponsor uh, of the podcast. You know, yesterday I was wearing my Homefield hoodie. I was wearing a Homefield T-shirt, my – my closet is just home field on home field, nice. uh, primarily with Penn State stuff. Matt, did you have any home field on yesterday during the game? I did. I did my Saturday morning uh, grocery store run. I'm making um, – I, I got myself a New York Times cooking subscription, so I'm making myself a new meal from that every Monday. So I got what I needed uh, from my local Jew Osco, not a sponsor, but they could be. Uh, and I was rocking my Take Me to Happy Valley home field crew neck in the grocery store on Saturday morning. What's, uh, what's the recipe that you're making tomorrow? Well, I'm glad you asked. I am going to be going ahead and I'm going to make, hold on, let me pull it up. It is, this is a phenomenal ad read. Thank you, Connor, for sponsoring our podcast. I really appreciate you. It's crisp gnocchi with sausage and peas is the recipe for Monday. So yeah, excited about it. Yeah, as you should be. Uh, And we're obviously speaking, being excited about things. We're excited that Homefield has sponsored the pod from the beginning has continued to sponsor the pod, been a really great partner for us in uh, having this podcast and, uh, if you're a Penn State fan who wants to get some Penn State gear, if you're a Penn State fan who went to another school and wants to get it for your alma mater, 
if you want to just get stuff from another school, maybe the you know holidays are coming around, maybe you want to pick something up and you've never purchased anything from Homefield Apparel before, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. Again, for first-time customers, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. As always, thank you to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the podcast. Maybe uh, maybe you're in Akron, Ohio, and you're going to be coming to State College, Pennsylvania very soon. They have both Akron Zips and Nittany Lion gear. <laughs> Well, let, let's let's now. How about that for a segue. I, that will that will uh, that'll come up momentarily. Um, let's talk about Mike Yurcich getting fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Franklin released the statement today. Uh, we want to thank Mike for his contributions over the last three years, but Field is in our program's best interest to make a change change at this time. We wish him and his family nothing but the best in the future. Uh, Penn State announced that Jawan Sider and Ty Howell, the tight ends coach, will share the interim OC duties. I think it's been, um, I think Football Scoop reported that Sider is going to be uh, the the play caller down the stretch. So um, I, I I think that we need to to ask the question more than was it the right move. Was it the right move, Matt, to do it right now? Because this is the first time that James Franklin has ever fired a coach in season. John Donovan got until the end of the season. Um, Kirk Shiraka got until the end of the season. James Franklin never before has he said, the best thing in the interest in our program is for you to be out of a job right now. Do you think it was right to do it right now? Or do you think it would have been worthwhile to give Yurcich the job through the remainder of the season. I think this was sealed. Um, and I don't think there's any point in delaying the inevitable. I think it shows that Franklin understood that this season had the potential to be different and to do it. They needed to beat one of the two and they failed. So I think this is an acknowledgement to not only the team, but to the donors and to the fan base that what happened was not acceptable and that it's not going to stand in the program anymore. And that's a good sign. It gives Penn State the first shot at finding the most attractive offensive coordinator in the market. This is the first, like, is this the first big OC to be let go? I mean, Grinch is the first big DC to be let go at USC. Yurcich is probably the first I, one at the big. I guess, I'm guessing it is. Well, Jimbo Fisher. Well, yeah. well the, the the well, I, I was going to say the really funny thing is that um, the really funny thing is that you can go to a guy that I think we're going to mention, uh, and while he didn't get fired, Sean Lewis got very publicly demoted for Pat Shermer. Uh, oh, so he is, yeah. So like, you know, I j- worth mentioning. But when we talk about doing it right now, Matt. It almost feels to me like this is a safeguard against what happens if Penn State bounces back because I don't think, I think it's very clear that this was something that has been on Franklin's mind for a minute. Mm -hmm. You look at what he said after the Ohio State game, you look at what he said after the Michigan game and how he talked about needing to call a game in a specific way need to do these sorts of things and it's clear that franklin's concern at least to me and maybe i have a very wrong read on this it's clear that franklin's issue with how yurcich was doing his job was it not in necessarily in hours development was not necessarily in you know the design of the offense all these sorts of things it was in something that is kind of just like in him 
which is how he calls a game, his feel for calling a game, etc. And after three years, if you still don't have that feel, that's just not coming. Correct. And I think that this is almost a safeguard against, you know, I don't necessarily think this is going to happen. But if Penn State went out there after... Um, if Penn State went out there after this game and ran it up on Rutgers and Michigan State, which I don't think is going to happen because both those teams have pretty Rutgers good Rutgers could get weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goes out and does it against those two teams, you know, hits those benchmarks of like scored 40 points in those games and had 400 yards of total offense in those games, etc. Then I think it becomes a little bit harder for Franklin to do it then because then it does kind of seem like you're doing your offense coordinator dirty. Mm-hmm. Even though you look back just in this season at how the Illinois game went, how the Northwestern game went, how um, the Indiana game went, and how those problems seemed like they were ju- they were always there to an extent, but Penn State could out-talent worse teams. Mm-hmm. I think you are right in that, you know, basically – what you were basically saying is someone's someone's got to be punished for this. Someone's has yes. got to rule for this. Which oh is, yeah, and I've been saying I that all day, is, all, all yeah. of yesterday too. Yeah, I mean, you talked to me. You, which you I heard think, me have a meltdown in our yeah. Slack. Yeah, yeah, which I think is I, which you know, that's a decision that's above pay, my pay grade, but I get it. And I think that when you consider that, when you consider the potential exists for things to get harder down the road, and when you consider the fact that. You have guys on your coaching staff, a, namely a guy in Jawan Sider, that you trust to be able to call a game. And you have a guy in your staff in Danny O'Brien who you trust can help, um, you know, can help Drew Aller through kind of the ups and downs that might come over the next two, three games. I think it makes sense to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh would you have had a problem if Penn State went to these next two games with Mike Yurcich as its offensive coordinator? Like, was there any thought in your mind yes. that we were going to get? Would you? Was there any thought in your mind that we were going to get the notification on today, Sunday, November twelfth, that Penn State's final two or three games of the season would not feature Mike Yurcich calling the offense? I wanted to see it. I didn't think it would happen again because I have nine years of you know data that says it doesn't happen in the season under Franklin. But again, I thought this year was going to be different. A lot of people thought this year was going to be different. It wasn't, and it's because of the offense. So again, I think this is a sim- this is a show to the boosters and a show to the fan base and a show to the team that this did not cut it. This should have been different, and it's not acceptable. And I think it's a big boy move, and I, re- I respect Franklin for it. So let's talk about the reasons why this was the right move. And to me... I got six big ones. Yeah. Well, even beyond that, mm-hmm. Matt, like at what point during Penn State's games against Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, Indiana, and Indiana primarily, you know, we'll kind of throw Maryland out in here. But in those games, did it feel to you that for long stretches of the games, Penn State was playing up to the level of its talent? No, it because to me, no, 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 it no. never felt like that. It felt like they were, it felt like they were baby and Aller. And I, I don't think the kid need, maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, I don't think you 
I don't think you go out there and you buy a Ferrari to drive it like it's my 2004 Chrysler Sebring. And that's what they did. I, I, I don't know if maybe that's because it needed to be that way, but he has the kind of arm talent we saw it in limited action. We saw it against West Virginia. And I don't know why that shifted so much. This needed, again, this just needed to happen. The offense was not what it needed to be. There was no step being taken week after week or season, <clears throat> excuse me, or season over season. And that just can't happen anymore. It's a mix of it can't happen anymore. And when I, when we think of the one, the two things that were in, that were directly in Mike Yurcich's purview, one was play calling. Mm -hmm. One was in how you design the offense. One is in that, in kind of that like big picture stuff. And, and I'm just talking about on game days. I think it's important to mention that when a coach gets fired, it's not just for, you know, you can't just say, well, that game and that game didn't go well. We got to do it. You have to consider what your quarterback room is going to look like, what your offense as a whole is going, like how your team responds to this stuff. You have to think about recruiting. You have to think about all these little things that go into a coach's job. Mm -hmm. And obviously James Franklin looked at all that stuff and went, you know, the reward outweighs the risk or whatever you want to say here. But yeah. the two things directly under Mike Yurisich's purview were one, you'd need the way that you call these games, the way that you prepare the offense, the way this, this, this. And with the lulls that we saw in Penn State's offense, with the parts of Penn State's offense that never felt like they were being used to the best of their ability, all these sorts of things he came up short. Then when you look at the one specific player, the one specific guy, the one specific whatever that fell under his purview in Drew Aller, his flaws as a player are his flaws as a player. Mm -hmm. He's not always the most accurate dude. He, uh, you know, I think he gets sped up and rushed and nervous it, in the foxhole, mm -hmm. for, you know, to kind of explain it, in the speed of the game. But there, it never seemed like Mike Yurcich did a good enough job putting Drew in positions. And this goes back to what Franklin said about how we call games. Mm -hmm. Putting Drew in positions where he can maybe get past his nerves. And to me, with how much is vested in Drew Aller specifically, with how important Drew Aller is to this team, to next year's team, and to how people are going to talk about Penn State football because of his recruiting ranking, whether or not that is fair, not my decision to make. That's a different conversation. If all that stuff fails, Matt, then you got to do something. Yep. And I think that we are seeing that Penn State is doing something pretty big, pretty bold. But at the same time, like, there's no guarantee that the next guy is going to be better, which now puts a ton of pressure on James Franklin mm -hmm. to get this right. And 
listen, Penn State historically is a 10-2 ceiling program. The seasons that have been better than that are like five outliers. So I think whoever they bring in with the level of talent they've accumulated can get to 10-2 and two on a like three out of five year basis. I think that... Well, well, I'm, the, I'm going to push back yeah, against that sure. a tiny bit just because of how the Big Ten is going to be. Right, yeah, yeah. Now it's and, a whole different... Yeah. I, I haven't so, really decided so, how I want to yeah. handle like viewing success in the 12-team world. I, I, I need like which, an off-season yeah. to process that, to be fair. Which, 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 which I... I you're, you're going to hate that I'm saying this. We need like two years to process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two or three years. We need to, to reevaluate so, like, what success I really is. Do, yeah. I don't want to like put necessarily a record on it because mm-hmm. I really do think we're about to get to the point where a lot of people are going to um, be really confused. You know, like you're one of these people. We have other friends who are like this. who are like, it's terrible that two, t- two loss teams are going to start making the playoff. I wouldn't be surprised if we're getting to a point in college football where it's like four lost teams are making the playoff mm-hmm. because of how big of just meat grinders these two conferences are going to end up being. But that, yeah. that, that that's a different conversation for a different time. And again, my thought process on the expanded playoff has evolved. Like, and I knew it would. Like, even back when I was saying I didn't like it, it's I said it was going to evolve and I was going to be fine with it. Um, now that it's here, I you know I I think I get it more. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, whoever is the next guy has a lot of pressure and that's why I think the board getting first to the board is so important. And I think there's seven guys who I think Penn state should target. And I think they have a realistic shot at like four of them. Well, here's my kind of question concern, whatever you want to say. Like, I, I don't have a hot board. I don't have, like, there, you know, there are names I'm sure I could throw out, we could throw out, et cetera. But James Franklin, in the last however many years, who, who, are, the, who are the three coordinators that he has hired over, since, you know, 2020? Outside guys? One is Kirk. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. What, yeah. It, one is Kirk Shiraka, who he. Is coming back to Happy Valley about this his, weekend. Come back to Happy you think about his profile he's a guy who is well traveled from pennsylvania originally but he's not necessarily a guy who like has who spent all of his coaching career in pennsylvania mm-hmm. and he was a guy that franklin went out and poached from another school you look at mike yursich again he's a guy from pennsylvania um he was different from or his profile was different from what shiraka's was shiraka RPO, RPO, RPO. Yursich is more, in theory, he was a guy who wanted to, you know, you look at what he did earlier in his career. Running gun. Namely at Oklahoma State. Not even that. Like, he wants to throw the ball down the field. He wants huge, huge plays. He was at Oklahoma State for years. Then he was at Ohio State under Ryan Day. Then he was at Texas under, uh, under Tom Herman. A different kind of guy. Yes, he's from Pennsylvania, spent a little bit of time at Edinburgh and Shippensburg, but a different kind of guy. And then you look at the defensive coordinator hire. And this is where this is the big one for me. Defensive coordinator hire that he had to make. Who in God's name would ever think that Manny Diaz would have been the defensive coordinator at Penn State? There is not a soul <laughs> on earth that would have ever put two and two together on that prior to Diaz getting fired. So I think the Diaz hire specifically indicates that Franklin can, should, will be willing to 
cast a wider net. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get to me. Like if a head coach gets fired, but his offenses have been good. If a offensive coordinator at a really good school is available to leave and has a track record of success. If it's a guy from the NFL, if it's this or this or this or this, Franklin should be willing to cast as far of a net wide of a net as possible. Like I, I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this last night. I was, I legitimately said, boy, I wonder, I really would love it if Franklin would go out and try and hire the pass game coordinator from the Los Angeles Rams, totally out of the blue, totally out of left field, probably not going to happen, but I want to see him be willing to not just go, you know, I'll bring the guy up because I know he's going to come up. Joe, let's bring you, Joe Moorhead, let's bring you back because we had good things happen with you. I want to see him make a hire Mm -hmm. that serves as as big of a statement of intent as firing Mike Yersich at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at this build. I mean, there's two sides of this coin. I haven't even considered, you know, the optics of of what that would look like. Um, I have to give a lot of thought to that. I mean, obviously, there are names that are going to come up. We can go over some names if you want, but. Sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Go, go. Like in in an in an ideal world, who was the first call James Franklin is making for you? Andy Ludwig. At Utah. And, okay. At Utah, that's the first call for me. I think he is a guy who has run a very unique offense. I think teams go through hell playing Utah. I think he's found a way to right the ship with a backup quarterback, and I, I like his offense. I think Notre Dame wanted him for a reason. I think Penn State is prepared to shell out a bag if they need to for Ludwig. That's number one for me. Has has to be prepared to shell out a bag. Oh, for sure. Uh, number two. Be, number yeah. two is I would love Jomo back. Uh, J- Bill, you and I have talked to Joe Moorhead in our time when we were written medium. He is one of the nicest guys I think I've ever spoken to in the coaching profession. I don't know about you. I mean, I know you and him had lunch weirdly one time by accident, kind of. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So well, well yeah, that's a, that's a story for another time. But yes. Yeah. Joe Moorhead, I think, would do a great job here. I think he is a guy who is in a really tough spot. And I think he would do really well in this role and would be happy here for a long time. Joe Brady, I don't know if you can do a reclamation project here after what just happened. That's the thing with Joe Brady. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but Sean Lewis would be interesting. Again, I think that guy's destined to be a power five head coach in the next five years. So we'll see what happens there. This is a wild card bill. It's not going to happen, but I thought about it. Mark Whipple. Guy who was cast mm, okay. out by Pat Nardi, sixty-six years old. Like that, that at some point, you know, do you really want to build this back up? He's been out of coaching for a year by now, but his son Austin was a quarterback at Penn State like a decade ago. You know, tiny connection there. I don't think that one's going to happen, um, but that would be pretty funny if the offensive coordinator who brought Pitt to unparalleled heights comes back to Pennsylvania because uh, Narduzzi hated scoring. Um, those are like the big ones that I've really thought about. I mean, Tyler Bowen. Virginia Tech's f- being five and five is a triumph. Shout out to Brent Pry and that staff. I don't think Tebow's ready for this job. Um, yeah, and then it's probably going to be somebody I'm not even thinking about just yet. But Ludwig and Moorhead, I think, are the two big ones for me. Yeah, and I, you know, I mentioned it to you. You, I tweeted this out. Um, I just have so much concern about how. You know, it has like a last chance saloon feeling with Penn State hiring back Joe Moorhead. Um, And it's one of those things where if he doesn't get, if he weren't able to get Penn State to the heights, because that's the thing. If you were hiring him 
I think it is because you know what it looks like at its very best. And if Penn State can't get back to that very best, where they were, I, I think in 2017, they were like fifth in offensive SP plus. Then I think you're in a spot where it's like, oof, boy, James Franklin tried to try to get the band back together. And it turns out everyone forgot how to play their instruments. Well, Bill, but and, by that time, it's probably going to be what? If it goes that way, it'll be year 13 or 14 for James Franklin. Will he, would he even still be here if it's not working out at that point? I, I, again, with, we, it, that's we, one of yeah, we can't project like how, that. Yeah. Yeah. How college football is going to be looking like, I, I just can't mm-hmm. fathom that. I, I, the kind of funny thing of that is that like Joe Brady is a guy that I'd be very interested in them calling up. Um, his play calling experience is in the NFL on a Carolina Panthers team. That wasn't particularly great. <laughs> um, he, but what the way he built up the passing game at LSU the way he was able to uh, communicate with Joe Burrow and help him get to the highs he was at didn't call plays there, which again is my concern. He's not in a position now as the office coordinator of the offensive bill of the Buffalo bills where, or the quarterback coach of the Buffalo bills where he's calling plays and considering the problems that, uh, that Mike Yersich had, one of the big ones was his struggle to have a good feel for being a, um, good feel for being an office coordinator in games. That's where my concern comes in. Um, I am very interested in the idea of Sean Lewis. Um, I thought Kent state Deion guy, Sanders Kent state played Kent state a handful of times. Kent state. He played at Wisconsin, uh, you know, coached at Bowling green uh, before he came down to happy Valley. I think we need, we need to figure out, and by we, I mean someone who isn't us, uh, need to figure <laughs> out why, exa- why exactly Deion Sanders demoted him. Mm-hmm. Because if it is that Deion is just like not that great of a coach, uh, his feel for these sorts of things is a little bit off. If it's that there was a major philosophical, you know, I've seen people speculate Sean Lewis probably wanted to run the ball more. Deion wanted to keep the ball in his quarterback who also happens to be his son's hands. But like, if that's the case, that makes sense. Yes. Like then, then I think Sean Lewis is a guy you call up and look at and see what you can get out of him. If it is because there is actually something not good about Sean Lewis as an office coordinator play caller, I think that changes things up considerably. Mm-hmm. You have to reconsider whether or not he would be a good candidate for this position. Uh, like I mentioned, I would love it if um, I would love it if they went out and got uh, a guy guy by the name of Zach Robinson, the pass game coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. I also know that's probably not. Does he? he but I checked I his Wikipedia last night after you sent me that. He has no college coaching experience. Is that correct? It's all. Pros. I believe so. It's all pros. That's a tough yeah. sell. That's I, a tough I, sell to come back yeah, to the recruiting it's a tough grind. Sell. Yeah. Right. Right. It's a tough sell. Funny enough, went to Oklahoma State uh, before Yersich was there. Uh, but one of those guys who you know, it's kind of like what um who was uh, Kentucky did basically this where they went out and hired uh, someone from the McVeigh system uh, brought him in and built up an offense around that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think all of this, when we think of where does Penn state go from here uh, for me, Matt, it's not even necessarily about, it's not even necessarily about hiring a specific guy I think the philosophy is the most important thing here Mm -hmm. because what we saw at a Penn State's offense this year 
is so antithetical to what we have been used to over the years, what James Franklin's stated objectives of what he wants out of his offense to be this year. And I think they need to hire someone. I'm never going to worry about James Franklin's ability to recruit. I'm never going to worry about James Franklin being able to put together a staff of guys who know how to recruit, mm-hmm. who know how to sell their offense. If you put put together a really good offense and you're not a dick, you're going to be able to get elite talent. <laughs> and what I think Penn State needs out of its next offensive coordinator hire is a clear vision of what this offense needs to be how this guy is deputized to be the straight up head coach of the offense. Like James Franklin has said, he wants his coordinators to be for years and have the ability. This is the really important part to execute that from right away, because if from right away, Drew Aller does not take a huge step forward next year, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen don't look like themselves next year. And all these things don't work out. Penn state is suddenly looking at, at a position where we're going into this new era of the big 10 and Maybe seven or eight wins is not nearly the kind of black mark against the program as it is now, but you still do not want to be playing coming in from behind the eight ball. You know what I mean? No, not at all. No, I'm with you on that. Brian Harson. Brian Harson. Yeah. No. You don't want. You don't want another reclamation project. He was. And you remember what I said about not being a dick, like. (laughs) That's what, that's what made me think. That's what made me think of it. When you said, as long as you're not a dick, that's what made me think of it. I'm sorry. So what do you want? Is there like one big thing that you want out of Penn State's next offense coordinator, whoever it is? Or do you think it's a matter of like, check this box, check this box, check this box, check this box. No one box is more important than the next we move. Oh, that's a great question. Um, what do I want? At, the perfect Penn State offensive coordinator to me, I think, understands the strength of the team and doesn't chase balance for balance's sake. I think that's a big thing. I think Mike Leach had a really interesting philosophy on that, where he was like, listen, I know how to do one thing. I don't care about balance as long as we score. I think that's this obsession with balance, I think is overrated. That may be more of a Franklin thing. And I hope whoever comes in Franklin trusts enough to let him be the head coach of the offense. Like he lets Manny Diaz be the head coach of the defense. And that's why I think, Ludwig and Moorhead are two guys who have earned enough respect in their field to be that guy. So that that's where I'm falling on that front. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like, let's, let's be honest, like Penn state has one year to prove that drew drew Aller can be the guy that they think, you know, you look at those stars that he got as a recruit. You look at the comps that he got as a recruit. You look at what he has shown he could do at his very best. And I did not think he was going to be as good this year as I think you thought he was going to be. I also didn't think he was going to be this bad. I did not think he was going to be a guy who didn't have it between the ears and, you know, just didn't seem to have the heart the number of times this season that I have seen Drew Aller do things that make me think I wish Sean Clifford was still here because he just had a level of dog in him that I don't think Drew has is like concerning. You need an offensive coordinator who could tap into that talent, get him to a good place between the ears. 
and basically get to a point where he has that level of confidence. Mm-hmm. He has that level of belief that we just have not seen. And I don't know who it's going to be. I'm going to go out on a whim and assume that the person that he Franklin hires is going to be his quarterback's coach at the same time. So he's going to be working very closely with Drew. But you need to hire someone who takes Drew Aller and turns him into a diamond. And then after him, assuming that, you know, Penn State ends up um assuming and Penn State ends up keeping him, a guy like Ethan Grunkmeyer. Or Bo like or Bo. Yeah. A guy like whoever comes after them. You need a guy who is not going to make us think, ooh, they're they're just leaving they're just not doing right by this quarterback because not doing right by your quarterback is a death knell. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Do, what's the timeline? Do you think, do you think Cider's going to get a fair shake at it? Or I, I, again, I don't think they're going to give it to somebody without the previous OC tag. Um, but I think like, could it be before the end of the regular season in the next two weeks? Uh, That's tough. It's tough. Cause everyone's still my- playing. Listen, my my guess, my hunch, not based on anything, just, you know, um, j- just kind of assuming how these things work. A lot of feelers are going to be put out between now and then. And then between the sat- Friday after Thanksgiving when Penn State plays its uh, final game of the regular season and the bowl game, someone gets hired. Yeah, I think that's, that's when that's Franklin usually, yeah. starts. Yeah, that's when Franklin starts talking to people. That's when Franklin starts interviewing people. All these like little sorts of things. And then, of course, Cider coaches the rest of this, is the play caller the rest of the season, probably into the bowl, that sort of thing. So, it's got to be before. That would be it's got to be at least, I think, two weeks before the first national signing day, just to give the guy enough time to meet with all of the recruits. Yeah, I think uh, I, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, any any final thoughts on Penn State's offense coordinator on the Michigan game, etc. And then you know maybe we'll no we probably won't do a full deep dive into the Michigan game uh, at any point. I, like I don't think that's necessary, but we will talk. Uh, be back later this week to uh, preview Penn State's game against Rutgers. No, uh, I'm glad this happened. Uh, you know, it, it sucks that it didn't work out, but I was uh, I was pretty devastated because I was the guy who said, and I'll shut up about it. Last time I'll say it on the podcast, I said this was going to be the window year. I was really bummed that, that it did not hit, but it's nice now that we're taking steps to improve and fix that problem. And I'm glad that now I can be distracted by uh, coaching rumors and not sad thinking about a terrible offense. So <laughs> we'll take it on a Sunday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for, uh, for final thoughts on this and, uh, and everything else. Uh, thank you as always for listening to this edition of the podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe wherever you go and subscribe. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast. Make sure you leave us uh five stars over on Spotify, send us something in the Q and a subscribe to us on YouTube, hop into the YouTube comments, talk about Penn state football, uh, in there, uh, Penn state football, whatever else comes up in the YouTube comments, just, you know, be cool in the YouTube comments. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at RL or blog. And as always, thank you to home field apparel for sponsoring the pod. One more time, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. If it would be your first purchase from home field apparel. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. For Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Penn State basketball 2-0. Climb on.